Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com Mailbag Podcast presented by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Be sure and check them out online at BlueWaterClimateControl.com or visit them on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate. And of course, they got that big giveaway going on right now. Um, if you schedule a spring heating and air tune-up with Blue Water Climate Control between now and the spring game, your name will be entered into a drawing to win two vol passes. That's two tickets to all eight UT home games. Refer a friend and increase your chances to win as well. The drawing will be held on April the 26th. You can give them a call today at 865-299-2290 or visit them online to schedule that appointment. Remember, uh, Blue Water Climate Control can handle anything you need going on. You need to, the duct work cleaned out, whatever you need, general tune-up, any kind of maintenance repair, they'll take care of you at Blue Water Climate Control. With Austin Price, Rob Lewis, Print Hubs, on this Thursday, let's get right into the uh, mailbag questions and we'll start first here um, with a recruiting question. Austin says uh, you say that Tennessee's in the top two with Horton and Miller, though I think consensus is we trail, which you never said they led. I want to point that out there. What can you tell us about the intensity of our recruiting efforts and which coaches are most involved? And does that say something about who will be focused on the state's recruiting, especially in the mid state? Well, I mean, for, for Horton and Miller, I mean, yeah, Tennessee, I think, trails Florida for Horton. Uh, but I still think Tennessee's in a good spot there long term. Um, and I think they trail Alabama for Cam Miller. And I, it depends on when Cam Miller does something. Um, you know, you know, I, I think that Tennessee right now is, you know, they've put so much effort into the state, Brent, um, you know, and, and they put a bunch of assistant coaches in the state. See, I mean, again, you, we talked about this before the last staff, literally T had all of Nashville and Memphis, which is to me is just insanity uh, for one person to have that amount of, you know, ground. Um, you know, so like you look at in, in state, you know, Willie Martinez used to have Murfreesboro. He's got Murfreesboro. Golish has got part of Nashville along with Cody Burns. Cody Burns also has kind of that area in between, you know, Nashville and, and, and Shelby County. And then of course, Shelby County is, is, is Jerry Mack. But I mean, you're, they're going to tandem recruit. Like, I mean, Walter Nolan hears from who Rodney Garner, you know, I mean that, you know, Patrick Kudis hears from who Glenn Ellerby. So, I mean, like, yeah, they're going to recruit positions, but specific areas, they've got a lot of people in the state and they don't even count like people in Chattanooga. I think Rodney may have Chattanooga. And then I think Ellerby has, uh, for whatever reason, like a lot of the, either the OC or O-line coaches had Knoxville, like in every staff, um, you know, over the years. So, you know, they're putting a lot of effort into the state. Um, you know, I still think Tennessee has got a chance to land several of these in-state guys. It's just going to take time. Um, you know, and, you know, they're right now trailing in several ones, but like, I don't think they're too far behind to where they can't make it up, especially if kids take their time. Uh, and even if they do jump the gun, like a Jordan James, who I expect to commit to Georgia next month, you know, what does he look like? you know, if, if Tennessee comes out and wins some games this fall. Again, winning solves everything. So if you can come out, win those first three, which are all non-conference games, kind of find your footing and you do it by scoring a lot of points, then, you know, maybe you fall into a season where you get some confidence going. Yeah, and again, I think you have to tandem recruit, particularly when you're playing catch-up the way you are right now. Your position coach has to be heavily involved in, in that particular position player uh, particularly for the class of 22 because you're playing so much catch up with those guys. Let's go to the next one here. Rob, we'll start with you here. How steep is learning curve for a coaching change? Finding where players fit, new systems, terminology, et cetera. Some programs seem to have a quicker rebuild than others. Is it more about the players or is it more about the coaches? 
Put me down for somebody who thinks it's it's more about players, more about talent. I mean, if you, I mean, you got to have both. I mean, you got to have good coach and you got to have good talent. But you know, you can you can stumble around and fall into some wins if you if you just have more talent than, than other teams. And um, you know, but by the other side of the coin, you can win some games you probably shouldn't if you had good coaching. But I, I think in this league, coaching only goes so far. I mean, you've got to have some you got to have some guys that are going to play on Sundays. Yeah, Rob's right, Brent. I, I think for ultimately you, to, to, to win like you want to win, you've got to have the Jimmys and Joes. But how can Tennessee parlay into a little bit more success this fall? I do think the, the better team chemistry can go a long way. You might still win or two if you have better team chemistry, better staff chemistry, and just a better feel around the program. Well, and I think quarterback play too. If you can yes. get some kind of quarterback play, you're not going to win 10, 12 games. I'm not saying that, but that can, that's that one position to me is, is, is paramount. And I think we've seen that at Tennessee, uh, but we've known that that's not anything shocking. Uh, but, th- but that's, that's a game changer. Even if it's not the most talented guy, a guy who can run your offense and be successful um, is, is a difference maker for you for sure. So I, I think that's something, can they find some of those um, where you look at that? Um you know, Pine Mountain Vol wants to know, can you break down the recruiting territories for each coach? We did that in the state of Tennessee. I don't know where everybody is. I think Cody Burns is going to have some work in Alabama. Rodney Garner is going to have work in Alabama and Georgia. I think Jerry Mack is going to be in North Carolina some. Austin, Willie Martinez has Florida ties, so that makes sense. There's several guys with Florida ties on the staff as well. Um, you know. And, I don't know. I know, I know Mississippi is a real – popular area for this staff. And I don't know who has that. I've not asked, you know, again, like in a lot of ways, I think that's somewhat overblown unless you've got some just crazy deep tie. Like, you know, like Rodney's recruited Atlanta for so long, like that's a crazy deep tie, you know, but I mean, like, you know, for, for some of these coaches, you know, like, you know, goalish, you know, I mean, I think it comes down to showing your personality and, and, and bare bones recruiting more so than it does actual ties at some of these places because he's not coached in this area. I mean, he's coached in Iowa State and Illinois and Central Florida. You know, so, like, for me, like, I think the recruiting areas are a touch overblown, not totally overblown. I think that it can, you know, help you in a lot of ways. But, you know, for most of these states, I don't think you're going to find a lot of these guys have – deep ties unless you're like a Rodney Garner or somebody like that. Yep. And obviously they've got some ties up in the, in the North now sure. with, with banks being here and, and uh, your linebackers coach, Austin. Brian Jean-Marie. Jean-Marie. There you go. All right. On to the next one we go. What piece of advice, Rob, would you give to Rick Barnes going into this off season? Get a big man that can play. Simple. <laughs> I mean, get some size that is competent and can play. Find yourself a transfer. That can come in and help you immediately stop taking so many projects. Yeah, hard to – I mean, they've taken some transfers. Kevin Punter worked out well. Some of the others have been um, – Bonnie Tindall left over. Yeah, Punter was, wasn't he? He didn't take mm-hmm. it. That's right. You're right. I stand corrected on that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you can't I mean, miss if you take a transfer. Yeah, EJ, you, you've got two – I mean, you always talk about it in football, how scholarships are the most important thing, you know, your, your most valuable commodity as a coach. And Tennessee's got two scholarships – scholarships invested in big men that are sitting at the very end of the bench. My, my thing, Rob, and, and, and again, this is not hating on a particular kid, but you talk about projects. I, I've watched Tom J. Tomba. I've talked to that kid for stories we've done on our high school show here in Knoxville. 
he's a great kid and 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 and, and has a specific skill set to protect the rim but you're not going to get any kind of polish on the offensive end from him you know are we still talking about him reclassifying I think that's out there. That's a possibility. But I mean, you said it that he's a rim protector. And that's you look at this roster with Ian Pong, they don't have it. And I don't I don't know that they're necessarily taking him expecting him to make an impact next year if he does reclassify, but they've got no rim protection on this roster at all right now. So oh, oh, here's a question for Rob. All right, potentially Hanjay is gonna reclassify. Potentially if they get BHH, he's gonna reclassify. What about B.J. Edwards. Is he a reclassified too? I have not heard any of the a whisper of that. Okay. Just that. I mean, and this, he's, you know, he is, I mean, I, I, you know, he, sometime in grade school or whatever, he, 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 he was held back in grade. He is so. old for his, for his grade. Yeah, he's, he's the same age as Kennedy Chandler. Yes. So, but I have not heard a whisper of, um, of B.J. reclassifying. Matt thirty one twenty eight wants to know a best guess on when we'll know about bowl bans and loss of scholarships. It's the NCAA. Who knows? Um, nothing's happened at LSU. North if Carolina I, was forever. I will say this: I do believe that Tennessee has been in some conversation with the NCAA and some off the record type of of, of visits and, and discussions. Uh, but I don't know that that thing's close to anytime soon. If I'm Tennessee, I wait until after the first game or two. <laughs> I mean, like, to me, to me, I know you, you might think the longer, but, like, it, it, is it not going to be like Ole Miss if you're on a bowl ban that kids could leave and, and not face any penalty? I mean, like, even the ones that have transferred before? Yeah, I mean, and, and again, I just don't think the NCAA is going to make any kind of – I'm not sure Tennessee is going to make a self-imposed deal. I don't think it's going to be far enough along – to where Tennessee's ready to self-impose anything this spring or this summer. I could be wrong. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but but it doesn't feel like that. Again, I'm still waiting for some confirmation that they've concluded the investigation. Last conversation I had with somebody is it was not completely wrapped up at this point. So uh, with that being the case, it doesn't feel like it's on the horizon for any kind of real news there uh, on that front. To Kent, Tennessee, Ken, we go. Thoughts on the um, name likeness image? Uh, to me, this has uh, the potential to make the playing field as unlevel as possible. How can they control Bama boosters from doing one thing a lower-level school can't possibly do? Well, I don't think it's just Alabama. I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, I don't think the lower-level schools are going to be able to compete, um, you know, necessarily with, with, with a likeness image because I don't know that there's going to be the dollars out there for, for those kids, a, a kid at Chattanooga or a kid at MTSU in terms of what all's out there. There's so many to me, Rob, so many unknowns in this thing and there's so many qualifiers and there's going to be so many rulings that have to take place on this thing that I'm not sure anybody knows. I'm not sure anybody's figured out how to win at it just yet. That- I think it's, I think it's just going to be an absolute zoo. I mean, I, is there, are they going to put caps on how much an individual can earn? I mean, how, I mean, you you know good and well that, that there would be an Alabama booster willing to step up and give, you know, Mac Jones a million dollars to, to you know, come back next year or Clemson booster for, you know, same thing for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that to me, the, what, what's the ceiling? That that that's I don't well, know, if, you know, I don't know if it's going to be a complete free for all, or if there's going to be some kind of you know built in 
fire breaks. Like perfect example. Like let's say that you know Hendon Hooker was the Tennessee starting quarterback, and a local T-shirt company hadn't had made you know they had off the hook T-shirts made. Yeah, I'm just throwing out nonsense, but like that was the theme, and he was able to benefit of it. What's stopping boosters from buying twenty thousand T-shirts to pass out to whatever? And all of a sudden the kid benefits from it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I agree. I think what it does is I think it hurts college basketball, Brent, because, you know, how much fun is March Madness when you've got Oral Roberts and Loyola Chicago and people like that? How do those teams compete with, with bigger schools, you know, with stuff? I don't think that it impacts them. They're, they're still going to be getting the same kids they get now. I think it, I mean, if those kids weren't good enough to get recruited by Kentucky or North Carolina, just because they can get pay, paid for their image or likeness, I'm, I don't think that's going to change anything. No, I think that I, I think that the bigger impact is going to be on, on the football side of things. It's going to be an arms race, you know, with, with some of those with some of those teams. You know, mid-major basketball has become such a thing now that I heard this discussion on the tournament coverage, I guess, last week that it's really unfair to call anything mid-major anymore because. Um, you know, these guys are – so many of these teams are having success out there. Um, I, I don't think it necessarily changes what the tournament looks like, um, but it, it will be interesting to see um, how people can manipulate it, how people can do it on the up and up, how they're going to monitor it. I mean, look, there, there, are, there are guys in the athletic, in athletic departments around the country, their sole job is going to be the management of this. I mean, they're going to be senior level AD people, and that's going to be their job is the management and and putting this this program or this system into place to try to manage it. And um, there's a lot more questions than there are answers, but it certainly does appear to be coming down to Pike. All right, let's stay with hoops here. Um, controversial opinion and your thoughts. Fulkerson struggles this year were because teams figured out how to defend him and because he's limited offensively. If you put an athletic guy guarding him, he isn't able to do much in the post. Would this team be better if Fulkerson did not return and he was replaced with a better, more athletic post player? I don't think this team's better if Fulkerson doesn't return. And I also don't think that him coming back precludes you from bringing in a better athletic post player, which is, you know, would be the, the perfect situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you take both of them. I mean, it's not, you know, if, if Fulkerson comes back, you still find a way to get a, a big man transfer in here. Uh, and, and look, they could use more than one big man. We all know that. All right, on to quarterbacks we go. If no quarterbacks transfer after spring ball, does Heupel still sign a quarterback in 22? Also, given the unknowns with both UT and Bama's offenses, is it at least plausible that Ty made more of a reservation to Bama than a commitment? After all, if he had said no to Bama, they were probably picking another quarterback in a matter of days, whereas, let's face it, Tennessee isn't turning him down on the eve of signing day if he changes his mind. Uh, no, Tennessee's going to sign a quarterback in every class. Like that'd be malpractice, and you know, to not uh, sign a quarterback in every class. So yeah, Tennessee will sign a quarterback in twenty-two. Let's face it, you know, Brian Mauer's been been about about out of here forty-four times to this point. You know, they're not going to roll in there with these four quarterbacks, and all four quarterbacks stick around for the twenty twenty-two season. That's just not going to happen. So you got to sign a quarterback in every class. Um, as for Ty. You know, I think his commitment to Alabama is really firm. Um, you know, uh, would be interested to see what happens if Tennessee could somehow win some games early in the fall and had success in state recruiting with other kids he knows. Would be interesting to see, too, how many quarterbacks are in this room after 
the end of the spring right. semester. Do does Tennessee even look at a potential another transfer quarterback out there? If somebody were to pop up on the radar screen, you never know. Uh, but what we do know is you got to have a quarterback, and Tennessee will have an assessment of what their quarterbacks look like starting uh, today as they'll go to the practice field for the first time uh, and go, go in there. Um, on to recruiting we go. Seems like this coaching staff is really going after some O-linemen right now. Sounds like there are a few that are close or the Vols could possibly even lead for. Can you talk about those uh, O-linemen a little more? Current team, what's the mood in the weight room? Is the current strength coach getting after it? Anyone putting on some weight, gain strengths, blah, blah, blah. Um, as far as the alignment they're recruiting, yeah, I mean, I think Tennessee's in a pretty good spot for a guy like Patrick Kudis. Notre Dame would be the X factor there. Um, you know, uh, Addison Nichols, I think Tennessee's going to end up getting the last official visit there, which would be set up well for Tennessee. Um, Tennessee's in, uh, I think, a good spot for, you know, uh, an, a couple of different linemen. The Brubaker kid, you know, I think he really likes Tennessee. I think he really likes South Carolina. I think he really likes the thought of playing in the SEC. His dad played at Penn State, though. Like, it, it, you know, just history tells you that's going to be a really hard pull unless something goes wrong um, just based off of history and experience um, in recruiting. Um, as far as other guys, I mean, I think Jacob Hood's a guy Tennessee continues to evaluate. I, I don't think that they're at the point where, like, right now they would just take him. You know, that's just my feeling on it. Um, you know, the, there's the kid at, you know, at, at the NBA that Tennessee just offered. My thought there, though, is, is can he, you know, he looks really good. I think he impressed at a recent camp, but, you know, he plays basketball. And when you play basketball, you trim the pounds. So how, how much you know, weight can he consistently keep on? Like, or is he going to be another Nathan Niehaus type guy that you've got to slap 55 or 60 pounds on? You know, but again, it all depends on what you're looking for out of your offensive lineman. If you're looking for an offensive tackle that's 285, then then he might be your guy. Yep, that's exactly right. So we'll see what the, they look like and what they're looking for. And let's not forget about Fisher Anderson, right. who to me is right near the top of the board for Tennessee's offensive line. I didn't want to skip over him. We were just running through guys. You know, Fisher's a guy that Tennessee covets really, uh, really highly. Yep. Assuming Tennessee either receives or self-imposes a bowl ban for the 21 season, is it too late to take advantage of the Hawaii exception and schedule a 13th game in Hawaii as a de facto bowl game? Alabama did this in 03. I hadn't thought about it. Um, I would be surprised if that's what that Tennessee ended up doing. Um, I guess, you know, anything is possible, but that would be uh, of a surprise to me if, if that's what Tennessee um, elected to do. But I'm again, all for it. Let's go to Hawaii. Haven't had that discussion with anybody. Hadn't thought of asking that question, to be honest with you, at, at this point in time. Um, all right. Uh, what were the interesting notes from the Pro Day press conference? The most interesting note is they did Pro Day before Pro Day. And that's not a knock on anybody, but that's, that's an unusual thing is to do a Pro Day before you have a Pro Day. You do Pro Day press conferences before Pro Day, but – um, I don't, I didn't hear any great numbers or anything great, um, coming out of that or any, any significant news coming out of pro day today. Um, on to the next one, just curious what happens to some of the younger guys like Shelton Felton and Niedermeyer who were caught up in the investigation. Do they have a permanent black mark or will they be able to find another coaching gig as a support staff in the NFL or in college, hoping those guys get another shot down the line and they aren't tarnished forever. Niedermeyer's nowhere. 
um, in, in football, and Shelton Felton is the defensive coordinator at Valdosta High School, I believe. Yeah, and I don't think either one of them are going to be in college football anytime soon. Maybe nope. in the NFL, but I don't think either one of them are going to find their way to a college football field anytime soon. And Will Wade is cashing checks. Yep. It's a, it's a uh, crazy world, isn't it? It is a crazy, crazy world. All right. Wanted to ask you guys, especially you, Brent, how you guys are feeling about maybe getting to put eyeballs on a practice. For me, I'm hoping it's all good. Uh, it was my window into practice games, et cetera. I've been on here since 07, 08, and it's top five for me easily in terms of your coverage, talking about practice. Also, please keep the around the horn. Really like that segment that you guys did last week. Obviously, guys, we're all optimistic and happy with the notion that we're going to get to watch some practice. Um, it'll be limited, obviously, like it's been, but some eyeballs are better than no, no eyeballs on the practice field. Because let's face it, if we would have seen some things this fall, our, our viewpoints on things would have been different, I think. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So uh, I'm all for it. And uh, thankfully, Tennessee has – uh, worked hard at working something out from a protocol standpoint, and Josh Heupel is on board with having the media there for at least part of practice, so we get to see some first when we're outside. So, like to, you know, today there's this heavy chance of rain. Obviously, we won't be at practice today. It, it, the practice will be indoors. So the, the only time we're allowed to attend is is when the practice is outdoors. Um, so that's going to kind of be the protocol for those people that are that are wanting to know. Um, and then uh, you know. I, I think it's great. Credit Bill Martin and, 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 and that SID staff. They pushed hard for this, you know, and, and I, they don't want the credit, but I'm giving it to them because, you know, I think they realize that Tennessee right now needs to find a way to sell something, you know, other than what's been out there. And, and I think they feel like, you know, having the media there to see some spring practice is good. Uh, coincidentally, when we are in attendance, I will take two phones, FaceTime Jesse Simonton so he can watch routes on air and report back his notes. I was just going to say, Hubbard, to your point, I thought you made a really good point that we, we probably would have had a different opinion about this team in, in the fall if people could have seen, seen some practice. And I know it was an, an even bigger impact in basketball where we get a lot more access, you know, thanks to Coach Barge's attitude towards the media. And we get to see at least one full, you know, complete full practice a week and sometimes two if you want, if you want to stay. And not being able to see that, I mean, not only, you know, puts you behind on, you know, in terms of injuries, you know, but just you know, form a, a real opinion of the team would it just made it, it made it a lot more difficult. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And so, yes, everybody's optimistic and thankful of that opportunity to get to see some practice um, starting um, as Austin mentioned on most likely on Saturday, because it is supposed to, uh, rain and as you're listening to this it's probably pouring the rain based on the weather forecast um, do you think this staff has had its fill of Henry like the rest of us has I think this staff kind of made it clear that they were moving on without Henry um, when the defensive staff met with the media a couple of weeks ago I, I thought they pretty much threw that back in Henry's court if you want to be here be here but in, in terms of you know begging and that type of thing that they weren't going to go in that direction at least that's the vibe I got uh, from from hearing those guys talk. Maybe I'm wrong, but that, that was my takeaway from it. I agree. I mean, it was kind of one of those things where we're going to talk about the people that are here and not focus on about anything else. All right, Austin, uh, who is the kid that you said Tennessee should offer because the brother is uh, good? Uh, the, the player's good, but his younger brother is going to be a top 50 kid. Have we offered that guy? Who are you talking about? Who's he talking about? 
about Elijah Herring. Yes. That's right. And, and then Tennessee's recruiting Elijah Herring. And, I, and listen, they're not recruiting Elijah Herring just because of his brother. Okay. They like Elijah Herring. I just think that it, that it helps Tennessee with Caleb if you can get Elijah. So, you know, Elijah is a guy that I think, you know, really has a skill set that has not been kind of reached its potential yet. Um, you know, can I think play multiple positions on defense? Is it would be a great program guy, special teams, um, and, and potentially grow into a really solid contributor for you. All right. Next question. Will Henry participate in spring along with Crouch? The answer there is no, uh, unless, unless Austin, you're telling me something different. I know I've been out of it the last couple of days, but my belief is that neither one of them are going to be on the practice field. That's correct. All right. On to the next one we go. Uh, this is for all three of us. Which quarterback would you like to see have a chance to start? Which quarterback do you think Heupel chooses? Heard Salter is a little too thin to start right away. Your thoughts. Rob, let's go quarterbacks. I'm, I mean, I'm not saying I want to see this guy start. I want to see what Harrison Bailey looks like in this offense where, you know, kind of, I guess the conventional wisdom is you, you need to be a mob, you know, mobile guy. You don't have to be, you know, Kyler Murray, but you need to be able to, you know, do some things with your feet. Does, you know, does, does Bailey – show well enough in, in the spring is he impressed hyper well enough to where the head coach will is willing to tweak his offense to make it work for Bailey. That's, I mean, cause I, I, you know, I think we've all kind of assumed that the mobile guys, the dual threat guys are going to have a leg up here. I want to see, you know, if I think Bailey's a really heady kid, I mean, if he can grasp the offense and kind of, you know, get command of it and impress Hypel, will Hypel try to figure out a way to make this thing fit Bailey. AP. I agree with Rob um, I, I, from a standpoint of like, I, well, I agree that I, I'm in more interested to see Harrison in this offense than the rest because to see how he fits. Um, you know, I do think that like it's all about reading and reacting and, 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 and knowing, you know, where to go with the football and getting the ball out on time. If, if he can do that, then I think he's got a shot. If not, then it's going to lend itself to one of those guys that's more athletic, whether it be Hendon Hooker, whether it be Caden Salter or even a guy like Brian Maurer, but I still would peg Maurer fourth on the depth chart, even behind a guy like Caden Salter. Yeah. I just think that it's going to be about who, who can process the fastest. That's what I wrote in that uh, story on Wednesday. I just think wh which guy can process the fastest um, is going to be the guy who gets the upper leg, you know, even regardless of mobility, I think the guy who can, can make the quickest decision and can manage a fast paced offense um, is going to be the front runner there. So I, we'll see who can limit their mental mistakes by playing fast. That's I, be interesting. I, I do know that Brian Maurer feels like he has a no, new lease on life with this staff. He's excited. We'll see how he does. You know, it, for him, it was all about the just the constant mistakes, putting the running back on the wrong side of you, you know, changing the protection to the wrong set, little things like that. What's he like when it, you know, if this thing is easier to run than the last offense was, how much does that help a guy like him? Yeah, good point. All right, Rob, the hoops being that BHH is a top 10 ranked player nationally and a physical freak with tons of skill. Why did Kentucky back off and why are there no other big time programs really recruiting him aggressively? And don't say Kansas because he said in an interview today, he never even talks to Bill Self. I can't answer. I mean, I, I cover Tennessee. I don't cover those other schools. I know Tennessee loves him, and they're in deep. Um, any transfer names surfacing as targets for basketball or football? 
Haven't heard anything new on the football front, Rob. Where are you on the hoops front? I mean, they're I mean they're talking to a, a bunch bunch of kids. I mean, I bet you that staff's made a hundred plus phone calls this week. I think they'll try to get the all right, the kid from Davidson. Hang on one second, let me grab his name. That is moving on. I think they're going to try to get involved there. Uh, Kalen Grady or Kellen Grady, Walker Kessler. I don't think anything's going to come of it. Tennessee certainly reached out, and. Um, I mean, you're just they're, – they're, they're going to be, like I said, dozens and dozens and dozens of names. Any, any guy that's 6'9 plus that you see hit the transfer portal that is a competent player, consider that Tennessee has reached out to that kid. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to. I mean, if you're Tennessee, I mean, you, you've got to gotta do well in the transfer market um, this offseason. All right, Austin, is Tennessee recruiting uh, the 2023 offensive lineman at Alcoa? About Lance Williams? I guess they're talking about Lance, or is he talking about the his teammate? Then, then, isn't there another lineman out there as well? Yeah, there are. Uh, that, that Oregon and Florida State have offered. Tennessee's evaluating him, and they're evaluating Lance. You know, I mean, I think a lot of these kids, a guy like Lance Williams, to me, really got hurt by the fact there was no camps last summer. You know, and he probably got a touch heavy. You know, and 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 I think he's in much better shape now, coming off that offseason surgery. And uh, so I think both those kids will be on Tennessee's radar now. Are they close to offering them? I can't answer that. Yeah, I think I think both those guys are definitely going to be on the radar screen and continue to, to be evaluated. Rob, do you think Springer would get drafted in the first round this year? Seems more like a second round pick to me. Hope he comes back. What do you say? Do you, I mean, does anybody read it? I mean, there's you can type in NBA mock draft people. <laughs> James, the one I mean, the Ringer.com is a highly reputable. You know, website that is really NBA centric. They had Keon going six, Jaden going twelve. ESPN, I think the latest one they had Jaden going fourteen. I mean, th- these things are, may not be spot on, but I, they're not twenty spots off. So yeah, I don't think Jaden is worried about going in the second round. No, and I don't think he's worried about coming back here either. I think both he and Keon are, are both going to the NBA, as we have said from the get go. Um, that's going to do it for the the mailbag questions here. I do I do want to say this. Um, I want to send out uh, certainly our, our, our best wishes to Jay Graham and the difficulty and things that he's dealing with and going through right now. Um, you know, me- mental illness and mental struggles are real out there. All of us know somebody who's going through different things out there. And uh, certainly we wish Jay the best and uh, keep him in your thoughts and prayers. And uh, hopefully he can um, get things uh, in, in order and, and get, get, things in his life in order and get going uh, in the right direction with things. So just wanted to say that publicly. I know Austin, you share that Rob, you share that same sentiment uh, that we wish nothing but the best for Jay. And hopefully he's taking the proper steps he needs to, to, to make the improvements and, and make the changes he needs to make in his life. That's going to do it for this edition of the blue water climate control VolQuest.com mailbag podcast for Austin price and Rob Lewis. I'm Brett hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.